You're listening to Leading and Learning. This is the place where we talk about practical leadership, theology, fitness, how to create winning habits, and so much more. My name is David Spell, and I'm a retired police officer, a pastor, a New Testament scholar, and a leadership coach. My goal on leading and learning is to help you live your best life. Thanks so much for joining us today. Welcome back to Leading and Learning. This is episode number 269, Insights from the Life of King David, Part 2. Like we said last week, uh, what we're doing in this is we're, we're pulling um, really some, some specific leadership tips, insights, um, and some, some things that will help us from the life of King David. And we're also touching on the life of King Saul because he provides a, a wonderful contrast to King David. And uh, as, as we mentioned last week, you know, our church, we um, give everybody, for the last several years, we've given everybody in the church a one-year Bible. And it's a, it's a fantastic way to really get a greater understanding of God's Word because you're reading a section from the Old Testament, you're reading a section from the New Testament, you're reading some Psalms, and you're reading some Proverbs in every single day's reading. So it's a great way to get a, a an overview of God's Word. And I will put a link in the show notes to uh, the one that we use. Uh, and while I'm at it, I want to let you know that this episode of Leading and Learning is brought to you by my book, Peter and Paul in Acts. This is one of those books that every Christian needs to have on their bookshelf because it's a wonderful introduction to, um, obviously, the Acts of the Apostles, but also the Gospel of Luke. Uh, the same writer, uh, we believe, was Luke, the beloved physician, and he wrote his Gospel, the Gospel of Luke, and also the Acts of the Apostles. Acts is the most exciting book in the New Testament, and I encourage you, if you haven't spent much time in Acts, get into it. It's the first 30 years, um, uh, at least one viewpoint of the first 30 years of the early church. And um, and I say one viewpoint, really it's two, because you see um, uh, Paul or, or Luke actually focuses the first half of his book on the Apostle Peter and the second half of his book on the Apostle Paul and how they took the message of Christianity throughout the empire. So Peter and Paul and Acts, great book. It'll really help you. And uh, check it out. There'll be a link in the show notes for it. So today, we're jumping back into part two of Insights from the Life of King David. And last week, we we talked about really, um, you know, Saul was the first king of Israel. He was a beloved king. Um, I mean, he. all indications are that, you know, he was their first king. There's that sentimental value he's got as being the first one. And um, in, in some ways, he was a good leader. Um, you know, we're not going to say that everything he did was bad or wrong, but he had some severious character flaws that eventually led to his death and his downfall, his downfall and his death. And, and one of those uh, character flaws was he was a very insecure leader. And I don't know if you've ever worked for anybody like this. If you've ever worked for that leader that was scared to make a decision, and he was also scared for you to make a decision. 
And and there was this constant fear of doing the wrong thing and always wanting to check, you know, above him and make sure everything was fine. And it's, you know, it's just excruciatingly painful to work with or work for an insecure leader. And and we see early on in Saul's life, he was insecure. Even before he was kind of sworn in as the king, even before Saul or Samuel, um, you know, anointed him and, you know, had the coronation ceremony uh, when, when he was the day he was to be picked and chosen and to be, um, you know, put in front of the people, he was he was hiding in the closet essentially. So, um, a very insecure leader, and we see the seeds um, that eventually destroyed his kingship. Today we're moving forward, and we see the uh, the very famous story of uh, David and Goliath. And you know we know the 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 wonderful story of of David and you know we always see the pictures of a little boy who looks like he's you know ten or eleven or twelve you know fighting this huge you know giant. In reality, he was probably a teenager, uh, maybe or maybe even early twenties. But he's a young man. He's a youth. He's not a trained soldier. And you know Goliath is this massive monster of a man. You know you get estimates anywhere from seven to nine feet. He's 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 enormous by any standard, and um, he's taunting the armies of Israel. The two armies are arrayed on either sides of a valley. One on one army on one hillside, the other on the other. And Goliath would come out every day for forty days and taunting the the army of the Israelites. And one of the things he said. And this is this is quoted from 1 Samuel 17. It says, he said, choose a man. He said, choose a man to come out and fight me. Um, you know, if he's able to fight and kill me, we'll become your subjects. But if I overcome and kill him, you'll become our subjects in service. And then later he would say, give me a man and let us fight each other. Now I want you to listen to those two comments. It's easy to read over them. Choose a man and give me a man. Well, we know that Saul, King Saul, was a head and to- head and shoulders taller than anybody else in Israel. He was a physical specimen, um, you know, who stood out. He was the leader of the army, and he had been chosen to be king. And so these words from from Goliath: "Choose a man, give me a man." You know, this actually kind of reminds us of what the Israelites said because they went to Samuel, the prophet, and said, give us a king, choose us a king. Well, now they've got Saul. He's their king, and he's the natural choice to go fight Goliath. Now, would he have been killed? Probably. But then again, we're talking about Israel here. Um, you know, we see God's intervention on so many levels of Israel's history. What would have happened? If Saul had swallowed his fear and said, okay, I'm the man, I've been chosen, I'll go fight this guy. You wonder what would have happened if God would have maybe honored his faith as he stepped out in courage. It's it's, it's something to think about. It's a fascinating thing to think about. But then the young man, David, who, who who's already had some introduction to to King Saul because he's playing the harp for him and soothing him sometimes when he gets upset. And so so they may not have a close relationship, but he he's at least known around the camp. And he shows up to visit his brothers. He's taking his brothers some food. His older brothers are serving in the army. And he hears Goliath's taunts. He hears Goliath's 
um, blasphemy against God. And David says, I'll fight the giant. Now, again, because we hear this story all the time, we've heard it since we were little kids in Sunday school, it's easy to just kind of blow it off, but you have to imagine how preposterous this is. You know, this is like the the fifth grader um, who says, I'm going to go fight Mike Tyson when Mike Tyson was in his prime. It, it just makes no sense. It's totally preposterous. There's no way this kid, this young man, this untrained soldier is going to win. And it's interesting that that, that Goliath says, choose a man, give me a man, and instead of a man, a young man. Or some translations say the boy or the youth. Or, you know, he shows up and he answers the call. And, you know, one of the things about this, you know, we think about the the, the, the story of David and Goliath, and we, we, we think of God's intervention. And, and of course, there's, there's that element of God's intervention. But I think the thing that we, we, we should never overlook when we talk about this story of this youth, unarmored, untrained as a soldier, goes and takes on a man who's been a soldier his entire life, who's a huge physical specimen, several feet taller than David, you know, maybe a couple of hundred pounds heavier than David, Um, you know, the best armor, the best weapon systems of the day. And David goes out to him with a staff and a sling. And, you know, it's absolutely preposterous. It makes no sense. This is a suicide mission if I've ever seen one. And it tells you how desperate King Saul was, the very fact that he's willing to send this boy this young man out against the giant. Because what if this boy gets killed? What if David is slaughtered by this giant? How are his men going to view him now? I mean, you wonder if the men are already thinking, you know, you're the chosen one, you're the king, Um, God picked you, you're you're a head and shoulders taller than everybody else, why aren't you going to go fight this giant king? And you wonder if those thoughts are running through his men's mind. But then David, if he were to go out and get killed, this young boy who foolishly challenges the giant, if he were to be killed, now what ridicule would Saul face? So this is just a a, a bad situation all around. And yet David says he'll go. And you know, I, I, I think the thing that we often overlook is the preparation that David describes to King Saul. King Saul says, you're not a soldier. You don't have any training. And he says, well, yeah, you're right, but 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 I'm a shepherd and I have to protect my sheep. And I've, I've killed the lion. I've killed the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Fascinating insight into David's life. You know, um, we, we occasionally will hear the term overnight success. But the reality is there's no overnight success. You know, you hear about the musician who's an overnight success. Well, the reality is they were playing in small clubs for years and years and years and years. Um, you hear about the, the author who was the overnight success, but, the, but you don't see the time that they wrote and they wrote and they wrote and they wrote and the rejection letters that they got before they finally got published. Um, you know, we, we hear of overnight successes, but the reality is there's a preparation process. There's a uh, an equipping process. There's a time of, of training and getting ready. And while we don't see it, 
David gives us the insight. He tells us, no, no, I've been out there protecting the sheep. I've I've, I've, I've killed the lion, I've killed the bear, and I, and I get this picture of him in his slingshot, you know, putting the, the rock in there and slinging it over his head, whirling it and whirling it and letting it go and hitting a rock um, over and over again. I mean, he's out there by himself with a sheep, and all day long he's picking up rocks, and he's putting them in his sling, and he's swirling and swirling, twirling, 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 and letting it go and hitting hitting a target, you know, 10 feet away, 15 feet away, 20 feet away, 25 feet away. Uh, maybe even farther. He's he's practicing his shot. He's practicing um, his, his the the skill that he's going to use one day to to really launch him into his destiny. So when he shows up to to fight this giant, when he says he can, and everybody else is going, oh, this kid's going to get killed. David is not scared. I'm sure there was a little bit of fear and trepidation. I mean, that's just normal. But there was also a confidence there that you're going to see that carries him through the rest of his life. This confidence that, no, no, I'm prepared to take this shot. I've practiced it over and over, maybe thousands and thousands of times. He's practiced making this shot. And when the time comes to take the shot, he makes it. And one swing of the, 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 the sling and the rock catches the giant in the middle of the forehead, and he's down, and the fight's over. This confidence. And so David was prepared to take the shot. And, you know, on a practical level, let me ask you, are you prepared to take the shot? You know, there's, there's this, this idea that, um, that, that we're seeing here of, of behind the scenes doing what we can to prepare us for our future. And we never know when that opportunity is going to come. David, when he got to the camp that morning, he didn't know that he was going to take the shot of a lifetime. When he got to the camp that morning, he didn't know that this was going to be his opportunity to um, do something that was going to win the hearts of the people, that was going to begin to launch him into his destiny. Um, You know, so there's this Real important principle here of preparation and practice and practice and preparation and study and learning. All the things that we can do so when the opportunity comes to take the shot, we're ready to take the shot. And we'll keep going on this in a second, but just, you know, um, earlier this year, one of the roles that I have in our, our local churches, I oversee the church security team the church safety team that we have in place. And so I'm always looking at, at, at what other churches are doing and, and how they respond to threats. And earlier this year, there was a, a, an attack, an armed attacker um, attacked a church on a Sunday morning in Texas. Um, the video's been floating around. You may have seen it. But, uh, but, a, but a gentleman um, decided, I mean, he was the head of their safety team, and he watched this gunman pull a gun and before anybody could react, had shot and killed two men that he was close to. One of the men was that was a deacon in the church. The other man who was killed was a safety team member who was trying to get his gun out and to stop the attacker. But the, the, the head of the safety team there in Texas, 72 years old, he was able to draw his firearm 
and make one shot on a moving target at 17 yards over the heads of innocent victims before anybody else could be killed. And, you know, one of the things he said in one of the interviews I saw was, um, he said, you know, I've been training my entire life to make that shot. And I thought, how, how profound is that? This guy's not a military veteran. He's, he's not a former police officer. He's just a man who loves God, who's a, 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 a committed member of his church, but he also loves to shoot and train other people. He's a firearms instructor. And, you know, he, he was trained to make the shot. And on a, on, a, on a natural, from the natural point of view, he saved. There's no telling how many lives he saved because he was prepared to take the shot. But David here takes the shot. There's no telling how many lives he saved because he defeated this giant. And it says on that day, the Israelites won a, a, big, a big fight, won a big victory over the, the Philistines. But now we see again, after this happens, we see Saul's insecurities come to the forefront. Because David is now... By his actions, now he's a household name. Um, he's become a hero. He's, he's solved King Saul's problem. And you know, really, that's one of the things about leadership. Um, sometimes we expect people to just give us authority, and we haven't earned that authority. And what I tell young leaders all the time, I said, if you really want to be um, the leader who who, who is who adds value to your company, to your organization, to your church, to your boss, be a problem solver. You solve a problem, and they're going to throw authority at you. And David solves King Saul's problem. But it comes at a price to King Saul because now David's become a household name. They, uh, David is given a promotion. He becomes a leader in Saul's army and begins moving up the ranks. And... It says that when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, and of course he had become a, a, a leader in the army by this time as well, um, it says the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs, with timbrels and lyres, and they, they danced and sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And it says that Saul was very angry, and this refrain displeased him greatly. He said, well, they're giving David more credit than they're giving me. And you know, it's a sad thing because David was incredibly loyal. He was the kind of man that every king would want serving him. There's no evidence that David was going to try and usurp his authority or do anything like that. But yet, the way he was perceived by the people, he was a a household name. He was had become a hero. He was um, had become famous, and rather than celebrating that, celebrating one of his commanders, um, his fame and his victory, Saul became even more insecure because the, the the spotlight had been shifted off of him. And a few verses after that, it says Saul was now afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but it departed from Saul. So it says he sent David away and gave him a command over a thousand troops. And David led them in campaigns. And everything he did, David had great success because the Lord was with him. But when he saw how successful David was, Saul was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. 
And so we see that, uh, that, that Saul, his insecurities are coming back to the forefront. And a little bit later in that same chapter, um, it says that when Saul realized that the Lord was with David and that his daughter uh, Michal loved David, Saul became still more afraid of him and remained his enemy the rest of his days. You know, David had never done anything to earn King Saul's distrust. He had never spoken against the king. He had never tried to usurp the king's authority. All he had tried to do is serve the king faithfully. He killed the giant and solved one of the king's greatest problems. And yet the king became insecure and fearful. He became a leader. David became a leader in the king's army and led his men on campaign after campaign, defeating their enemies. He never tried to usurp King Saul's authority. He never spoke poorly of the king. He never spoke in any way that, uh, that, that, that could be perceived as um, trying to betray the king. And yet, Saul's own insecurities led to his downfall. So we'll stop there. We'll, we'll move on again next time looking at some of these insights. Um, how does this, how does this uh, affect you? How does this affect your leadership? Do you consider yourself a courageous leader? Do you consider yourself a secure leader? Or do you ever see yourself as, as an insecure leader? Um, years ago when I was with the police department, I was staffing a unit and I was actually interviewing people to come work for me. And, and one of the supervisors that I was interviewing, I appreciated his honesty. Um, he had a reputation for being a, a micromanager and, and a bit insecure. And he said, yeah, that's one of the things I'm trying to work on. He said, I tend to micromanage my people, but I'm really trying to work on it. Now, I didn't choose him for my unit because I had so many other great people to pick from. But you know what? I appreciated the fact that he recognized the problem, he recognized the issue, and he was trying to correct it. And to his credit, he did. He, he became a much, much better supervisor and leader in the latter days of his career. But what about you? Do you ever catch yourself being insecure? Um, you know, waiting way too long to make a decision. Um, looking over your people's shoulders because you're scared of what they'll do. Um, do you ever catch yourself being insecure um, about someone else's success um, or someone else's popularity? How does that affect you? These are such important questions to ask ourselves. Um, the, uh, the best leader in the world to work for is that leader who is secure, who attracts other strong people, as we'll see that David does, and leads from the front. And obviously in this story, Saul wasn't willing to lead from the front. Um, he was leading from the rear, and he allowed David to go and deal with the problem for him. Well, we'll stop there. Um, if you have any questions or comments, I would love to hear from you. Go to davidspell.com, leave me a question or comment in the comment section for today's post. Well, friends, it is wonderful as always to be with you. I look forward to seeing you again next week on Leading and
Thank you.